This, this is as above, so below. That phrase is believed to be the key to all magic. It means that what is within me is outside of me. As it is on earth, so it is in heaven. As I am, so are my cells. So are my atoms. So is God. Basically, as I believe the world to be, so it is. Can you read that? What does it say? Exploring faith and fear. What scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Asia Swartz and Truber. We know that typically with you are your co-hosts, Nathan Rouse and Reed Lackey, but they said they saw this kind of suspicious looking girl just strolling around outside. They said she looked a little malnourished, so they're going to go check and make sure that she's doing okay. They also said that she was singing, so I'm sure she's nice and that everything will go just fine. Um, But here in their stead, we have our one and only foreign correspondent, friend of the fog, and recently inaugurated quarterly queen, Vera Gowdy. How are you, Vera? Hey, Asia. I am doing so well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited about this episode. I've wanted to talk about this film for a bajillion years. So here we're doing it. We're really doing it. I know it's happening. It's real. Uh, Unfortunately, our fellow queen, Jess Fishley, um, could not be with us today due to a scheduling conflict, but we will miss her sorely. Jess, we miss you. We love you. Yes, Jess, we miss you. Um, Now, Vera, if you wouldn't mind, I can't believe I wrote this down. Now, Vera, if you wouldn't mind pulling on this random leg sticking out of the ground to see what happens (laughs) while I remind listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. No, we really don't explain anything (laughs) 
except for now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you'll find essays, team bios, episode archives, and everything your catacomb entombed heart could possibly want. A little bit of business news that we'll go over. So our upcoming series that the guys are going to be covering along with guests and all of the usual goodies and people that you love, we are going to be on a nostalgic uh, jaunt while we return to the trend-setting and time-capsuled gems of director John Carpenter. Um, And keeping on brand with nostalgia, Nathan and Reed will also be starting a TV guidepost segment exclusive to our benevolent patrons, of course, of uh, Stranger Things season four, uh, which very aptly leads us into please, if you have not and you are friends of the fog, consider joining the Patreon. Um, If you, like me, like many other people, are finding season four of Stranger Things to be your favorite season yet, and you just have to hear these conversations that will be had about this very rich, um, beautifully thematic season, then I would recommend that you join the fam on Patreon so that you can stay on board with everything that's going there, stay informed, and you'll also get all these other goodies like things called Stump Read, which is really delightful, especially if you've been listening for a little (laughs) while and you understand what a big deal it is being able to Stump Read, which sometimes is easier than expected. But in general, it's it's quite the privilege. It's a very uh, mild business time this particular (laughs) episode (laughs) definitely join the patreon friends consider us peer pressuring you this is your peer pressure right now please give in join the patreon (laughs) yeah we're bullies (laughs) go do it or i'll take your lunch money kid (laughs) (laughs) that was very on brand for the uh, nostalgic sort of late 80s early 90s bully (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i could pass for a super good bully (laughs) Me neither. I'm not very good at it. Yeah. So I would say Vera, now that it's, you know, it's just you and me, we have to get to know each other a little bit more now. Of course. course. So I I just, I have a question for you about um, media. Mm -hmm. Have you been, uh, have you been watching anything or like listening to anything? What about (gasps) stuff you're reading? Yes, I have. What you watching? What you watching? What you reading? What you reading? What you listening to? Yes. So, hmm, I have been. I had the opportunity to go to the movies twice by myself, which I never do. Ooh. And I've been watching a bunch of stuff. I've been watching Kenobi. I've been watching the new season of The Boys. But I want to my watch it is going to be um everything everywhere all the time everything Ooh, all everything, at once everywhere all at once <laughs> thank you yeah i totally loved it and definitely remember what it's called um no uh so it's a movie um it might not be in theaters anymore i saw it at like a dumpier screen where they keep movies around a little bit longer um (laughs) but i think it might be available on video on demand now or home box office or something anyway it is fantastic it's based on a book is my understanding oh i didn't know that and 
uh, I haven't read the book, but the movie on its own is just like nothing you've ever seen before. Visually, it's stunning. Thematically, I think it's wonderful. And I just want more people to go see it and check it out. Everybody that has seen it has loved it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's heartwarming. It's heartbreaking. It's all of the things. Go check it out. Not to mention everything everywhere oh. all at once. That's the title. Yes. And if we're in keeping with the 80s stuff, uh, Short Round is in it. And, you know, way to make <laughs> yeah. a, like a 30 year difference comeback. So if you love the Goonies or Temple of Doom, everything about him is still just as delightful as he was as a child. And the he character is... I related to the most in the movie with his little brown bum bag. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, way to just, you know, start out being iconic as a child, then take like a huge break and then come back and stay just as iconic. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes. Uh, uh, concurred viewers. I've also seen it. Just she she said all of the things that need to be said about it. Go watch it because it's really, really good. Do it. Do it. More peer pressure. Um, yeah. Lunch money. So for my <laughs> whatcha, it's been real. It's been a real interesting ride with this because I have been making my way through the vintage James Bond films for the first time. Oh, cool. Kind of for the first time. A little bit of context. When I was a kid, my brother's room was in the basement and it was a makeshift room because it was a huge basement. So they put up these big, very cheap bookshelves to sort of create a wall for him in his room. But because there were shelves running in the opposite direction, that left about six inches of space between the shelves that they put up and then the shelving that was attached to the opposite wall, which meant that seven-year-old Asia being the youngest sibling had an absolute duty to sneak down and watch movies I wasn't allowed to watch on a regular basis, which included a great many of the James Bond films when I was a kid. Um, I had seen all of the Daniel Craig films as an adult, but was still very foggy in my recollection of the vintage James Bond movies. There were certain, obviously, like the music was very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Certain scenes had stuck in my brain because I was way too young to be watching them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, But it has been a real trip because it's such an interesting development in cinema, in scripting, in, we'll say, sensitivity and maturity growth in the way that people's and, uh, yeah, people's and women and all these different elements are. People's tastes have changed uh, over time. And some of that stuff doesn't necessarily hold up today as something that we would be okay with <laughs> no not 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 even remotely and it's been yeah. a it's been a really like fascinating and challenging um and interesting experience to to watch that very very steady progression from the way it starts out um and to see again how it develops and how the series matures and even the way that they cast james bond because i think one of the most interesting elements to me that i've noticed 
which is so ironic to me. This is probably like my biggest takeaway in terms of cinema from going through these vintage films again and really solidifying them in my head is that I think Sean Connery plays a James Bond very much to the male gaze because it's very much a, a, in general, it's a male franchise. Like James Bond is to dudes what a Disney princess is to girls. (laughs) Like it's just like an idealized, overdone, never going to actually happen version of, of a type of human. Yeah, yeah. He has all the large, gadgets, the cars, the and women, the girls, the everything. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah. yeah. And he's very much tailored in the Sean Connery films to a male audience, yeah. um, which is hugely ironic considering that one of the biggest pieces of the James Bond legend is, is the fact that he's, you know, all these women just fall over him. But the second they switched to a different James Bond, like Roger Moore, it was like, now I buy it. <laughs> As a female watching, they found out that later on in the series, casting a different type of man made um, there was more room for a female audience in the franchise as well, which to me is has just been a really, really fascinating trek through vintage cinema. So that was probably more than I needed to talk about in a watcha. But I've been it's been dancing around in my head and I love I love film. I love vintage film. I love cinema. So that that's been a really interesting journey for me so far. What you watching? What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Um. So, Vera, I want to hear a little bit about your experience with this film. I know I've been raving about this film for a long time, even as like one of our uh, watches on a previous Queens episode, but I want to hear about your first viewing because you were live texting me while you watched it, but I just, <laughs> I, I need to hear this fleshed out a little bit. Yeah. So um, I hadn't heard this about this movie or I thought I had, but then I looked into it and I hadn't um, until you brought it up in another episode that we were on together and then suggested it for this current episode that we're doing. And I was like, yeah, you brought it up before. I've been wanting to check it out. I haven't made time for it. Now I have to make time to check it out. This is amazing. So um, I, you were going to bed and you were like, text me all of your thoughts. So I was live texting you as I was, <laughs> as I was watching it. I really enjoyed this movie. I think that it is, it, it's found film, right? So um I feel like that tends to get a bad rap undeservedly. So like there's a lot of really bad found footage stuff out there, but I think people tend to discredit movies almost immediately because they're the found footage style. And I think it can be well done. And I think this is one of those, like, it's not going to be the Blair Witch. It's not going to be the first paranormal activity movie, but like for a found footage movie, it's really well done. It's got some quality jump scares in it. I like that. Have you ever read, um, uh Dante's Divine Comedy. Have you read that I, before? I have not. It has been on my reading list for forever. And I know that I would have an even greater appreciation for this film if I had read it. Like I do recognize that certain things are taken directly from that source material. From from Inferno um yeah. specifically, like the first one. Yeah. Um so like that was something that I really enjoyed about it. And I was like, oh yes, like this is like then one of the circles of hell. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and some stuff like, and, and there's obviously other like Nicholas 
Flamel. I made some jokes about Harry Potter right. um, and the Philosopher's Stone to you. Um, there's some Templar Knight stuff in there, but like, I think it's really cool. I love that they filmed it actually in the catacombs. I think that yes. added like an extra layer of creepy to it um, because those skeletons were real people. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I thank you so much for suggesting this movie. I had a really good time watching it. Oh, I'm so glad you really enjoyed it because this movie often gets a really bad rap in like, not just for the found footage element of it, but just because it it is an imperfect film. There are definitely things that I could chuckle about and giggle about in this film, like yeah. namely just like how way too young and way too hot all of the <laughs> actors are to be doing anything in this film that they're supposed to be able to yeah. do. Yeah, At the beginning of the movie, Scarlett, the main female character, lists her credentials. And I'm like, you're like 19 years old. These are not yeah. your credentials. And she's like, well, my dad made me study really hard. Right. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, my father insisted. Well, yeah. and even that, because they try to give you an excuse. Like it is explained as to how she can be so young and have these credentials. So it's like, okay, maybe I can dispend my disbelief or suspend my disbelief to buy that. But then five seconds later, we meet George, who is equally <laughs> as young and equally <laughs> as baby faced as her and is yeah. repairing a centuries old clock. <laughs> and so yeah. it's. <laughs> this is a video game you people dress like you're in a video game yeah they do they do they were (laughs) ill prepared for going down in the catacombs in terms of attire i was like you guys should have if you knew you were going down into the catacombs you should have worn better shoes like like this this is uncharted this is Yeah. yeah this is um so the first time i ever saw this film it was a really fun experience for me because um my husband and i were in this really, really tiny apartment, actually upstairs in the same duplex we're in today. Um, but it's really small upstairs. And my brother-in-law, my husband's brother and his friend were in from out of town. And so it was four of us crammed into this really tiny room in this already you know, tiny apartment. And we started watching this movie and we're all adults. And it absolutely spooked three of us my husband is not afraid of anything like horror movies just do not scare him anymore so he went to bed the second the movie was over because it was pretty late but me my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law's friend were all up for hours afterwards because we were just so so spooked um it's got uh, it's got such great tension um, and like you brought up, this was actually filmed in the catacombs underground in France. Like those bones, the majority of them that you're looking at on screen are real. Like those are dead people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you think about it like that, it just, I think it really just adds a layer to it. I mean, obviously the ones that they're climbing over and breaking are right. props, but like all of the ones that are packed into the walls are part mm-hmm. of the historical catacombs yeah and um i didn't tell me if you knew any of this because i did a little bit of digging before and some of these things i would never have caught on if i hadn't done the looking and maybe you already also caught these so you know the guy at the beginning of the film before they meet papillon who tells them to go find him is the guy from the car 
Yes, it is the same guy from the car um, that we find <laughs> later on in the film. Uh, did yeah. you catch that? Like, was that something you just noticed as you were watching it? It, it was when I, um, I can't, does he say anything to him in the car or does he just look at him? No, when he pulls him to the car. So Papillon is um, a character who he's a, a French individual who knows the catacombs and he um, is their guide, one of their guides. Um, and he, uh, spoiler alert, meets an untimely end in the catacombs. But when it was the hair, because he had the, the, yeah. the guy in the burning car and the guy that was mm-hmm. sitting there that told them to go to the club had the same like curly perm mm-hmm. kind of hair. And that was, but it was just when he, it wasn't immediately when he was sitting in the car and like, and um, Papillon recognized him. It was like when he started pulling him or grabbing yeah. him or something. It was after that. But yes, that, I did notice yeah. that they were the same person. Go I ahead. did not notice that the, because I made a comment to you about the lady in the, um, in the club. The waif, as I call about, her. Yeah. Something about her being like a zombie. Um <laughs> Because the camera just followed her for so long. And I was like, why is that happening? Um, and then it sh- she comes up two more times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't recognize her the second time when it's like the ah, cult that's singing. I was yes, like, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, she is one of my favorite horror film antagonists of all time. If I were to <laughs> rank like top five scariest people in any horror film, the cult club waif is is in that <laughs> top five. She is absolutely mortifying to me, yeah. um, which is probably an excellent segue uh, into our one of our favorite segments of uh, That Ain't Right. Sure as hell ain't right. So Vera, what about this movie was just so not right? So not right that, well, I'm not wording that correctly at all. What wasn't right to you, Vera Gowdy? (laughs) I'm going to go with, um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the fellow's name. What's the guy's name who had a really hard time down in the catacombs? He, the one that Benji? operates the camera, Benji. Benji. Bad times, Benji. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, when, when Benji meets his demise. Yes. Uh, that was, I think, the biggest scare for me. Yeah. And, um, and, ugh, and then what happens to him? That ain't right. I think... I have to I have to echo you on that, that that is the most effective scare in the moment and viewers. So the way that this scene plays out and again, spoiler alert, you know, this is a spoilers show. It always has been Um, watch the movie before you listen to the episode, people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is, as we mentioned before, there is this reoccurring character of this very thin um pale, waifish, zombie-ish, malnourished, kind of strikingly pretty in a very scary sort of way, young woman that the cameraman who's going down into the catacombs encounters in a club situation. And he films her for kind of an uncomfortably long time because he's he's 
interested in her. She's fascinating. She's kind of spooky looking. Um, and later she is seen leading this really, really eerie chorus of cult members fairly in a fairly shallow level of the catacombs. It, it's a very striking moment. And she sees Benji, the camera guy, now again, once again, sort of staring at her, filming her. It's a it's quite arresting because the music in that scene is oh, that's that ain't right in and of itself. Yeah, very eerie. And then in what has become my favorite scene to show anybody in any movie ever <laughs> much later on in the film at a point in time where nobody from the surface should be with them down underground. Benji is at the top of a tunnel um, trying to get his rigging correct. And there's a very narrow slit in the wall that you can see into the background through. And this lady just walks across the background. I, I don't know how you can make nothing other than somebody walking across the screen. Absolutely poop inducing. But they did but, it. But they did it. They so to <laughs> you, what was scarier, Vera? The the her walking across the background or the jump scare that follows? I mean, I think the jump scare that followed, but only because she walked across the background yes. first. And that just made me tense up all the more because I was like, now I know something is coming. And I'm just my whole body is now waiting for it to happen. And and you know there it's it is. her. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. It's it's a really, really well staged um yeah. staged shot. Um, I think one other that I want to just throw in there for good measure when they find the, like when they find, okay, this is like big spoiler alert. This is pretty much the whole like <laughs> twist of the movie is when they find the gates of hell, the way that they do that moment with the sloping ceiling and the inscription that is carved there. And she looks to George and reads it to him and then they have to crawl under it was just chef's kiss brilliant i i that scene gives me absolute chills every time i watch it it's, it's just it's not okay it's not okay um no it's not oh i'm looking for the what is the inscription on the thing i believe it is abandoned hope all ye who enter yes. here so in um in it's that is the inscription on the gates of hell in inferno mm-hmm. um in um in the poem, but it, I, I think it's in Greek in this movie. So for those of you who may not have seen it or waiting to see it, um, have seen it and didn't get it, um, maybe are unfamiliar with, um, with Dante's Inferno. Uh, it's a, a, a poem. Um, it's called a divine comedy. It's in three parts. There's Inferno. There's um, um, what is the middle one? purgatory and uh and paradise and so this movie is very loosely based on inferno and um there are like levels to hell Mm -hmm. in the inferno so there's nine levels plus a vestibule so i guess 10 and some of the levels have like sub levels um yeah and so this this movie parallels the journey dante's journey through hell the end that is my whole (laughs) that's all you need to know in terms of plot everybody 
is that the, the, the catacombs and um, how they're traveling through the catacombs um, is is hell, which is uh, to me, I, I have been fascinated for a very long time with the concept of being able to reach physical or uh, spiritual locations by physical means. That's just a, a, an idea, a concept that I think is so fascinating and so intriguing. So to find a movie that does it, I think so well, um, even, again, even if there are certain elements to this film that uh, are less than <laughs> like less than <laughs> stellar, I think that the way they handled that subject with such subtlety was really, really, I don't know, captivating. It just it kept it kept sucking you in every level deeper that they went. The the more you you just feel your body sinking with them. I was even watching it as I was kind of getting ready to record tonight and I didn't want to press, I didn't want to stop it because <laughs> I didn't, I was, I always get so sucked into this movie. Yeah. Um, Something that I, um, did you notice? So um, there are six of them. I mean, five of them that, that end up going into um, the catacombs and then they meet somebody else down there. Um, mm -hmm. So then they become a party of six. Um, then they, the reason that they are in the catacombs is to search for um, Nicholas Flamel's Philosopher's Stone, mm -hmm. um, a la not Harry Potter, but the actual real, right. um, <laughs> the real person who studied alchemy um, and the Philosopher's Stone. And did you notice that? I think it's when they find the stone, there is a picture of um, of a Star of David. Yes. Did you notice? And then there's so like the photo or the photo, the painting is like mirrored. There's a top half and a bottom half and the star of David yes, the, is in the middle the, of it. The right? As above, so below symbol. Correct. As above, so below. Exactly. Um, and there are three points to the star above and three points of the star below. Three die in the catacombs. Three make oh, it out. I did not think about it. Wow. <laughs> I had not paralleled they really, that. that as above, so below. They really, they hammer that in they hammer which, that home all the which, way through the movie it's really again, well done <laughs> I, it's so sad that people often consider this movie to be kind of hokey because of the things that it could have done better when there is so much attention to detail all throughout and every time i watch this movie and i've probably seen it a good like six or seven times by now Every time I watch it, I find something that I didn't notice about it the first time. Something, whether it's the characters or whether it's, again, like some intricate um, production detail like that. It, it's just mind-blowing to me. Um, that being said, I do think that there are some um, well, quibbles and bits. The newest mm -hmm. of the <laughs> Fear of God segments. <laughs> 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 there, there are some fair criticisms of the movie. I think um, yeah. um, one that that comes to my mind um, when I think about the movie and its themes and how carefully it does so many things. I wish that it more clearly outlined. So the three that end up um, escaping from from hell, mm -hmm. uh, they have to confess their sins in right. order to to be set free basically otherwise they will be trapped down there mm -hmm. um i wish that the three that died the only one that they clearly uh, I, well 
here this here's the thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only one that they clearly demonstrate is Papillon's, which is he feels guilt over his right. friend who died in the car fire. For and he, he, and he dies saying it's not my fault. He won't he, own it. Exactly. He won't own it. He won't confess his sins. And so he dies. He actually dies. Um, I <clears throat> the eighth circle of hell is fraudsters. In, and um, is that, that Inferno. that's the feet sticking up out of the ground? That's and, directly from Inferno. The, exactly. So there's like there's in the eighth level, there's like different bulges, I think they're called, but there's like different types of fraudsters. Sure. And so I think the third one might be the people that are buried with their feet up as part of their punishment in hell. But anyway, it's in it like that's directly right. drawn from. Um, so I thought that that was a great tie for. Um, buddy bad times for benji <laughs> for bad times benji um <laughs> i think his is lust i think he's I lusting after the yes. the wave right well because also at the beginning when george is trying to get them into that church benji is also again just kind of staring at this lady yeah george is talking to and scarlet makes the comment like oh yeah she's pretty and then benji says something like oh yeah and she has great legs too like, yes, yeah. I agree that like a type of lust slash voyeurism is very yeah. much Benji's downfall. Yes, I agree. And then for, um, is it Susie? Suxi. Suxi. She, I, hers is very unclear to me. Maybe it's guilt over Let's Hope. Maybe. So I, here is, here is <laughs> my theory. I wrote all, everything you just said. I wrote all of it down. Oh, like, and this, this was what I was going to bring up <laughs> you may later. Solve as, my quibble. I may well, have no quibbles after this. <laughs> I don't know if I'll solve it, but it was definitely, it was something that I kept thinking about. Cause again, it is very subtle. Um, mm-hmm. My interpretation of Suxi, because again, everybody who has, who dies in a more obvious way is killed by the th- by their sin, right? Yeah. So it is my interpretation. Did you did you get the impression? This was the impression that I got that Suxi was Papillon's girlfriend. Um, y- yeah, like either a girlfriend or like friend with benefits, or like some something were, more than just right. just friends. They yeah. were some kind of together. Yeah. So I had the feeling because Suxi's a very very much a side character. She isn't. She she doesn't really light up or have too much of a, a specific thing that's just her thing, like Papillon and Zed do, until Latope shows up. And the yeah. second Latope shows up, she's just like, oh my gosh, Latope, Latope. So I agree that it has to do with Latope. My guess is that she was having an affair with Latope oh, before indeed. he went missing which is one reason why she's the only one when he shows up again and is in this very sort of stupefied, scary, dangerous, feral state. She's the only one of the group who is willing to go up to him and try to get him to respond. She just sort of, I don't know, throws away all caution to try to get him to come back to the group. Um, So that was, that's my interpretation i have no idea if that's correct right it's the only thing that made sense to me and i also don't feel like i don't think they need to lay like um when zed and george and scarlet at the end of the movie are like confessing their sins to each other like i don't Mm -hmm. think it needs to be laid out that way um but i think that uh it was just much more unclear for at least her somewhat for benji Mm -hmm. um 
that, that, that that's where it was leading. My other quibble is um, that the philosopher's stone, the real philosopher's stone was the, was the power of friendship or the magic inside you all along or just the power and, was in me the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Dorothy, like you yeah. have the power to get back home the whole time. You just had to believe you could do it. Yeah. That that's what the real philosopher's stone is in the end. And I didn't love that. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, especially my first viewing. I was very disappointed. I was like, really? Like, come on, you're going to do like the answer was love the whole time or, you know? Yeah, I I had no problem with her having to return the the, the actual like physical oh, yeah. stone that she picked up. Like I thought that that was fantastic. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I I want to I do want to add on to that because this was something that I also wrote down. Again, not to take away from what you said at all, because in general, I agree with that assessment. I thought that that was very unsatisfying the first time I watched it. I felt like it took away from the way that they tied in the mystic and the realism so well. Um, it just it, it played off as so hokey to me. But I will say this as somebody who and this isn't this isn't my way of like trying to convince you to feel differently. This is just one thing that has made me feel a little bit better about that ending. The more I've watched the film as somebody who is very fascinated with the, with all things mystic and having done like, I'm the type of person who listens to like witchcraft podcasts on the side and like as above, so below is a concept that I'm, quite deeply steeped in out because of the things that I enjoy studying and researching and things like that. Um, That concept is so beautifully explained the way that she articulates it to the group when they find the door to the mystic, that when you look at people who actually believe in magic, whether that be witches, pagans, any type of group that would ascribe to some type of magical or alchemical force existing in the world, mm-hmm. that ending really truly does mimic the belief systems of, I'll say, the different different groups of people. I've heard magic described um, by certain it's difficult to say pagans or witches because a lot of magical people don't actually want to be called anything in particular. And I've heard magic described in such a way as I wrote it down the, the ability to affect change with your will. Um, and while I, I still agree with you that narratively speaking, it is an unsatisfying ending, like for sure the whole concept of the phrase as above, so below means that those mystic principles that one believes in operating in, we'll say another realm, another dimension are always reflected in a physical sphere in Mm -hmm. some way, whether or not you need the catalyst of a physical object to get you there. Um, it always ends up being your will, your intention, all those different things. Again, that's just as somebody who loves studying stuff like that, it helped me think of the ending a little bit 
more kindly because I know that that viewpoint is so genuinely reflected by people who actually do ascribe to that way of thinking and for people for whom as above, so below is a genuine life mantra. Um, yeah, so, I, I, don't I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I have not studied um, it as extensively as you have, but knowing how carefully the film considered other aspects and like legends and mythology and, and things to draw from, I don't doubt that they also probably drew from, from um, paganism and the, the, the belief systems that people had there. And that in, in the same way that others might not be as well-informed, like uh, of the literal as or literal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. literary aspect of it, then I right, think that that's right. just a, a blind spot of mine within the movie um, that I think that having that just gives you a deeper appreciation for it. Yeah. Which I love that, you know, so much about the divine comedy because I felt I was worried in English. Like you had to read it. (laughs) Well, and I I love that because like, I was worried going into this that I was kind of like, Oh, I, I I know that there is a huge gap in my appreciation of the film because I don't have that in my, in my brain as I'm watching it. So I'm so glad that we get to bounce off these different perspectives together. I love that. Um, And it just, it speaks to how well educated and well-crafted, well, how well-educated the directors are, who, by the way, also directed Devil and the Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is absolutely monstrous. That movie is unreasonably scary. (laughs) Um, And just- There's an ice cream truck going by right now. It's nine o'clock at night. What is the ice cream truck doing? Oh, that's the devil. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's speaking not of the devil. Fine. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> Rude. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That sure as hell ain't right. So, one question that I have in all of this is I think in one sense, we're, we've already kind of started answering this question, but what do you think the film did worst? Like what, and what do you think it did best? Because we're talking kind of consistently about the fact that this film is a double-edged sword, that mm-hmm. it does so many things well. It has such an immaculate attention to detail. It really respects the material that it's handling, but, I but think- it also feels like a video game. <laughs> Yeah, fair. And you know what? Dante's Inferno is a video game. So um, (laughs) that's fair. I have not played the video game. I have read the Divine Comedy. I have not played the video game. Um, I think Rob might have. But uh, I think that something that the movie does not do great is convince me that these people are qualified. Yeah. (laughs) Archaeologists. Sorry, Jonah from Superstore. I don't believe that I buy you as a Superstore employee. I do not buy you as <laughs> an I expert in historical artifacts. Just realized that was him. <laughs> I had no freaking clue until you just said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, good Good for him. Um, apparently, he's been on a lot of horror stuff. I guess he, he's in one of the Freddy versus Jason movies, too, I think. Um, I think I heard about that. I think I haven't seen, I haven't seen Freddie V. Jason yet. Oh, really? Not yet. I've seen all of the Jason movies. I've only seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, 
So I need to catch up on all my Freddy before I can watch Freddy v. Jason. Yeah, of course. You can't watch them square off until you know where each of them stand. Um, So that's something that I don't think that they do super well, but also is something forgivable because it's a movie and you need, I mean, I guess you don't need, but studios want stars that people can ogle, I guess. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, like, Does it why? make you care about them more if they're hotter? Like, is that I, part yeah. of the psychology? Not me personally, no. But people <laughs> in general, maybe. I don't. I'm not sure. Those plebeians. <laughs> um, something that I think it does really well is the concept of like going deeper to get out. Mm. Like, um. You see it in in Inferno, um, Dante and um, Virgil, the poet that's leading him. Uh, they have to go through all nine circles of hell in order to get out. Uh, mm. There is no going backwards. So going deeper and deeper and deeper into hell is something that I think the movie does really, really well. You see it in um, even in the last battle in in. Yeah. Um, Chronicles of Narnia, right? Like further up and further in, like mm-hmm. that concept of going, going in with like that leap of faith concept. Yes. I think yes. They do really, really well. That's all. What, what about you, Asia? <laughs> or what I think. Oh, well, I think, I think the worst thing about this movie is, is all, it's sort of that all encompassing contrivedness of certain things, whether it be like this cast is too attractive, like, this sort of general feeling of trying too hard in a yeah, few areas. Dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. There one of the notes <laughs> I wrote down it's because it strikes me as so unbelievably corny. Every time I watch it is they have just, I think it's very shortly after Papillon has been like bamfed into the car and he's gone legs up. Uh, they round he's the corner, <laughs> they round the corner and you see the wraith like, this one of the wraiths for the first time, which is a really freaky image if you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes Scarlet and pulls her aside. And sure, I understand that this could be a moment for some type of declaration of maybe something like quick, like, oh, mm-hmm. by the way, like, I love you or something like, uh, like, but the, what he says to her in that moment is I just, and this, is echoing something that he had said earlier in the film. He says, I just want you to know that week I spent in Turkey was the best <laughs> week of my life. And it's like time and place, George. He, time and place. He spent time in a Turkish prison. That was right. Because in my in my text to you, I think I said that like they're like B movie or not not even B movie, like C Lister um uh the mummy. <laughs> Like, yes. Yeah. 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 And it's just <laughs> like the fact is like they're all like they have just witnessed three people die in really, really brutal, terrifying ways. Yeah. They've just seen an actual demon. Yeah. And the f- one thing that he chooses to say to her is the week <laughs> I spent in Turkey was the best week of my life. I just can't get over how bad that line is. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty corny. But I find a lot, like, even in um, the movie The Deep House. Did you see that movie? 
Not yet. Everyone says it's horrifying, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, ter- absolutely terrifying. Um, and the, but the dialogue in that movie is awful. It's not good. At, I Bummer. almost wish it was just a silent film like, and just atmospheric music and maybe some atmospheric sounds and that they just did no talking. Yeah. Um, that's because the dialogue is pretty bad. And, and I find a similar thing with this movie. And I think that, that it's just a problem with some found footage stuff because yeah. it sounds like lines that they're reading. It doesn't sound like real conversations that people would have in a real situation, which this is supposed to be being found footage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think earlier in the movie when they're like, when she's, he doesn't go in caves. And I was like, well, he's a hundred percent going in a cave. Now that you've said that, I know that he's going to end up in the cave. Yeah. It's like, what movie, what movie cues can we give the audience so that they know what kind of movie they're watching? Very obvious foreshadowing. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I, one thing that I thought was really interesting. Um, well, I'll say what I thought was the best about this movie. Then I'll go to that. Sure. Um, I think what this movie did best. That's a hard list for me. Um because there are so many things that I love about this movie. I think what it did best is probably the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used, there's very little CGI in the movie. Unfortunately, what CGI there is, is not great, but the use the of practical, practical effects, effects. Yeah. And the props, uh, you know, and sort of prop property mixed with actually being underground in the catacombs. Mm-hmm. Um and gosh, the music in this movie is incredible. Yeah. And the way that they are able to combine all of those things together to create moments of such just bone chilling tension. Uh, I, I think the word that appears the most in my notes for this film are I got chills or I have goosebumps or, you know, a one line of dialogue, the the, the music mixing with what's going on, it, it really just creates such an atmosphere of true claustrophobia and, and terror that I, I just love. I, it's so this is a real roller coaster of a movie for me. Yes, yes. Yeah. The claustrophobia while watching is definitely is definitely a feeling. Mm-hmm. The scene while Benji, there's this oh god-awful scene where one of the guys benji the bad bad news benji Benji. (laughs) yeah is this poor guy is trying to crawl his way through a really tight space there's bones everywhere he's freaking out and these cult members are singing this really dissonant scary song in the distance and he's the only one that can hear them and they just keep getting louder and louder and louder while his terror of being stuck in this in these bones is on just top mounting. of a pile of bones. Yeah. And there's rats <laughs> biting him. It's, it's truly an awful moment and it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's really well done. Yeah. Which, so kind of going through some of the characters, as far as protagonists are concerned, we talked about how much we really love slash hate the waif as an antagonist, but as far as protagonists are concerned, Scarlet's the worst. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> like it, very much it kind of gave me Blair Witch uh Witch Project vibes in that it's a very similar a very driven woman kind of puts everybody around her in danger for a goal that she, she has and 
everybody around her gets hurt in the process because she is so unwilling to listen to reason and so unwilling to slow down. Agreed. But I think that that is redeemed when she has to run through hell again to return Mm. the fake stone. I think that that is an excellent, it's an excellent redemption for her in terms of character development and in terms of how annoying I found her throughout the movie. I was like, good, crawl Mm. through that pool of blood. You you deserve this. (laughs) Yeah. You put yourself through what you put everybody else through this whole friggin' movie. Yeah. It's exactly. I, one thing that I really noticed more, I think this time is you see her becoming a little like less and less confident as they go deeper and deeper through the layers of hell. And you see George coming more and more into himself. And I feel like it's when Benji dies that you kind of see this real break in her spirit mm-hmm. because I mean, my head always wants to think of it in terms of like, this was her, her friend. She didn't really know Papillon. She didn't know Latope. She didn't know Suxi that well. So it was sad, but not personally tragic. Right. But with Benji, Benji was the whole reason, you know, she, she was the reason Benji was down there in the first place. And I just imagine that that was probably the first time she realized, like, I'm going to have to tell whatever family he has about this. Yeah. And they're never going to see his body. And you know, you really kind of see her spirit just get crushed in that moment. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's, I think that her arc as a protagonist Mm -hmm. is really well done. Um, I think that Zed in terms of a survivor, very little character (laughs) character development, just randomly there that he's like, I have a child and I know it's mine and I've been denying it. And you're like, wait, what? Sorry, Zed, can you go back for a second? Can we talk about this? I think the only <laughs> and then he I, the, gets out and he just walks away. You're just like, uh, you better be going to find that child you just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only foreshadowing that they give of his sin is that we hear a baby crying. Yeah. Is that that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. OK. So he's haunted by that. Do you think that perhaps the reason that he got as far as he did before confessing is that like, were they trying to imply that his sin was less serious or I don't know (laughs) yeah again I don't like I think that the in terms of sin the only one everybody else just carried with them a weight Mm. right as except for Papillon who refused to admit that burden right and that's when it became Mm. a sin And then Benji, like with the lust, Mm -hmm. right? But everybody else, it's like for Scarlett, it's her guilt of not answering the phone and then her father's suicide. But that's not a sin. That's guilt. For um, George, it's it's his brother died in a a cave. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Yeah, he drowned 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 in in a cave. cave. And, And he felt guilt about getting lost, trying to find help. But again, yeah. that's a burden. That's guilt. That's not sin, right? Zed's, I think that like having a child that you know is your child and not acknowledging that t- child is, I, I mean, if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna label it a burden or a sin, mm. then then I think that that is more a sin than the other yeah. things. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the powers that be 
in the universe of the film saw it as like because the implication is that the child is still a, a baby an infant so mm-hmm. maybe it's like there's still time, there's still time to time. fix this yeah you know like the deed that there's no like final end to this deed um which i guess could also have been the case for benji but i don't know maybe maybe they just felt like benji was too far gone or like was know. never gonna change i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know if we're <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And the same thing with Sooksy too, like her, whatever it was in terms of her feelings for Latope or her guilt over Latope, like if it was an affair, then that is more a sin than it is guilt. If it right. was, um, if it was that she didn't, you know, do enough to look for him after he went missing, then I think mm-hmm. that that's more guilt than it is a sin. Right. But mm-hmm. that's very ambiguous. It could go either way. Right. And I, I appreciate that they don't spoon feed us everything. Um, but I do agree with you that a few more breadcrumbs, like I'll pick up the breadcrumbs. I don't need a mm-hmm. spoon. Just just at least leave some for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I it's so interesting because normally with conversations, I, f- I feel like it's very easy for me to reach in and find like these very personal connections that really hit mm-hmm. me in a very emotional way and surprisingly for how much as i love this film i struggle to find that in this particular i don't know in this movie which is which is very unusual for me in my viewing experience um i guess how what was your experience in in the way this film st- struck you in a in that kind of way or or lack of um Yeah, it just, it made me consider, in order to take a leap of faith, is there anything weighing me down? Is is kind of the thought that it led me with, left me with, why can't I talk today, for goodness sake, Um, (laughs) that it left me with um, after the movie was done. And it's something that I've been, I mean, there's... The Dante's Inferno is heavily based in, in like Catholicism, right? And mm-hmm. especially if you have um, hell and you have um, purgatory, mm-hmm. right? That's a concept in, um, in more orthodoxy and, and right. Catholicism being one of those things. Um, and the concept of purgatory is that you, whatever sins you have committed that you have not confessed and made amends for, um, are still a burden on your soul and you need to remain in a place in order to like, I don't know, you have to do your time in a Turkish atone. prison. Yeah. You have to, yeah. You, well, you, you have to spend some time <laughs> there. Turkish before. prison. <laughs> um, and then once you get out, it'll be the best week of your whole life. Um, before you can enter heaven, you have to, you have to spend some time in order to, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, repent and, and get rid of that, that burden, that stain that is still on your soul when you pass. Um, And yeah, that's just what sins am I, or what guilt or burdens do I bear that I haven't yet brought to God Mm. that I, I mean, I don't believe in the concept of purgatory. I'm not Catholic, but um, it's, it's something that is ingrained in like my family history and stuff. So it's like in my brain, something that I think about. Um, Yeah. What weighs me down? And am I willing? Am I willing to to unburden myself? Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
What about you? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And again, I'm I'm surprisingly I'm surprisingly left with just what's in front of my face when I watch this movie. I've always taken it much more as an experience than as a teaching moment, which again is very unusual for me in my relationship with movies and media. I am always struck very, very much by the process that I undergo when I watch this film is a longing for something deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's an interesting struggle in my own life as a person of faith who is still trying to figure out what it looks like to balance like a Bible-based faith whatever that looks like with this side of me that is also extremely drawn to everything that you would find in those catacombs. Mm -hmm. I ride that line with an extremely, extremely careful set of wheels. And yet I still find myself with this hunger for something mystical. But I'm also always struck when I watch this film by the intense relief that I feel once they get out of the upside down, as it were, um, (laughs) and find their feet on the surface of the earth again. And those things are gone. And what they are left with is the purified sweetness of the mundane because having been through what they've been through, there's nothing sweeter than just to go back to the way life was, except now having been purified by fire in certain ways. So that, that to me is something that I, I don't know if I can say I think about it so much as I just feel it, how type four of me um, whenever (laughs) I watch this movie. So this movie does remind me by taking me on such a radical journey to remember how sweet the mundane is because it's only when you're going through hell that you often remember that the goodness God gave you is good enough. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think that that's something that many can relate to is, going through, you know, obviously not the literal nine circles of hell, but a hardship, right? Whatever that hardship might be, it might be your health, it might be a relationship, it might be, you know, whatever, a job not going well, like whatever the case may be in the real world that is proving to be hellish Mm -hmm. reminds you of how wonderful it is when things are just normal yeah yeah normalcy is extremely underrated (laughs) by people like me (laughs) yeah well yeah well we we hear that terminology all the time the last couple years with the pandemic and everybody wanting a return to normal right like what does a return to normal look like oh i can't wait to get back to normal Right. right because 
the last two years have been really hard for people in like, of course there's been death, there's been sickness, but there's also been loneliness. There's been isolation. There's been, you know, depression, extreme frustration, fear, loss of fear, anxiety, loss of relationships, loss of human connection. Right. And people just want all of those things to go back to normal. They want to be able to do those mundane things that you could do before. All of a sudden, things like just going outside for a walk or going to the grocery store for things that aren't just essential items, like, you know, perusing for like, sometimes I run an errand because (laughs) this is, this is my confession. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Less time in purgatory. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to spend less time in purgatory. I'm going to unburden my soul. I love my children. I love them so, 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 so much. Sometimes I go to the store in the evening because I need a little bit of a break. It's my break time. I go, I go to Tim Hortons, I get a coffee, I sit in the car for a little bit, and then I go buy the stuff we need. And it's a little bit of quiet me time that I get. And, but in a pandemic, that's not something that you can do because you should only go to the store for essential things. And so that's something that you lose on and you just want to go back to normal and be able to leave your children with your husband for half an hour. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love I I love all that and yeah, I guess I guess we got somewhere profound anyway. Well, you did you did because you're just an incredibly smart, intelligent, profound person in and oh, of yourself. You. I had to dig for it a little bit. I don't think so. I think you you, you have it. You have the power in you all along. <laughs> the answer was me the whole time. The was you the whole time. The power of the stone. Oh, courage of the heart is very rare. The stone has a power when it's there. Ooh, parallels. <laughs> um, well, I feel like we have, I was going to say milked this cow, but I'm not going to, I renege that. <laughs> bad Just choice of vocabulary. Bad choice of words. We have, um, we've wrung this dish towel out. Um, we have mined for the stone and we have found it and we have claimed it as our own. And then we have put it back because we realized we don't need it in the first place. Um, okay. which, as anticlimactic as that Only is. somebody who wanted to find the stone, find it and not use it, Harry, could get the stone. <gasps> oh, oh, okay. I'm um, just going to talk about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's I, yeah, Stone now. That's, yeah, that was the, everything we've just said was an introduction to get us to Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Money and life, Harry, the two things human beings value above all. I mean, I, no, I can't quote are, that whole book. You're, I just you're, the, you're just a fountain and I'm here for it <laughs> and I love it. Um, but I think that I think that we have mined and we have found and now let's put our feet back on solid ground above the earth and push through that manhole, get back to normal and let's rate this movie. (laughs) Yes. Let's rate this movie. Go for it. Here at the fear of God, we rate our movies using a measurement of fear and God. So how scary it is versus how substantive substantive it is. So (laughs) thank you. Words are hard. English (laughs) is hard. I like sign language because then I don't sound dumb. Um, <laughs> Asia, how would you rate this movie in terms of fear? 
I that I joined the poop club for this movie. So, yeah, this is a 10 for me there. I didn't first time I watched it, didn't sleep for hours. Two grown men didn't sleep for hours <laughs> to this day. I still don't like the waif jump scare. Don't like it. Nope. This is a 10. This movie is freaky AF. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go just one under you um, at a nine. But I agree with everything you, that you've said. The waif jump scare is scary. When the walls come to life, it's scary. But even the feeling of claustrophobia is scary. Um, So it is a nine from me for fear. And what about God? How would you rate the themes of this movie? I'm going to say, I want to say there's so much there in this to find. Mm hmm. Um, but as, as we talked about earlier, some of that is a little bit, a little bit foresty through treesy. Um, so I'm, I don't, I wouldn't give it a low rating by any means. It wouldn't be a 10. So I'll, I'll probably land somewhere around an eight. I think it's very, very substantive. Um, uh, but little, little, little bit to be desired a little bit definitely leaves it. I agree. So I'm going to go again, just one lower at a seven and only because I think that it is pulling from a lot of material. I think that there is things to mine from it. There is a lot to glean from it, but I don't know if it makes it as clear as it wants to. I think that I did the rating wrong. Hang on. (laughs) Do the math again. English is hard. Math is hard. Everything is hard. Everything is hard. Everything. There we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just, I don't think it's, it's as clear with its themes as it probably wanted to be. Um, And I think that maybe, maybe they just went, I think that there is such a thing as going a little bit overboard with the allegory and, uh, and the literary material. Um, and forgetting that they need to explain why they are drawing from certain things. Um, but I think that because they are drawing from things that do have theme, that there is a lot to glean from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know how intentional it is. Right. But that means that we give this movie an 8.5 out of 10, which is a very good showing. Perfectly um, respectable. Absolutely. And the bigger question, and I think I know the answer to this, but would you recommend as above, so below? Uh, If only for the waif walking in the background scene. (laughs) Yes, because I love showing that scene to people because everybody loses their mind and it is delicious. But yes, I would also recommend it for other reasons, too. That's it. Yeah, I recommend. Definitely. I also recommend this movie. Um, I think that it's a very accessible movie mm-hmm. i think that it is a good movie to watch i watched it alone but i think it'd be really fun to watch with a group of people yes because of the way that the jump scares are i think it would be really funny to do so yes. i do recommend this movie so yeah that's it we got to talk about as above so below <gasps> finally and what a good conversation <laughs> it was i'm so happy to talk to it with somebody as educated and lovely and funny and just wholesome as you oh vice versa thank you so much and thank you so much for suggesting this movie because without you we would not be here talking about this yeah <laughs> me <laughs> <laughs> all right so everybody 
As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing and be on your way rejoicing. Don't forget to check out Stranger Things season four. Most of the episodes are out now. The final two come out on Canada Day. And so um, even if you are not Canadian, you are invited to celebrate because um, Canada loves you, everybody. And um, John Carpenter, the please stay tuned to the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to find out which will be the first of the John Carpenter series as voted by the patrons and join Patreon while you're at it. All right, Asia, thank you so much for this conversation. Reed and Nathan will be back next week, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you, Vera. <laughs> Quarterly Queens out. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. So, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my area where I live is notorious for having bad internet service. Mm-hmm. And Drake, the rapper, um, yes. complained on Twitter about my city's internet. Because I guess his, like, I don't know, producer or somebody on his, like, crew lives here. And he complained on Twitter and embarrassed my city on on the internet. And so now they're doing work, like, every single day outside. There's construction. They're installing new, like, five internet. So currently, it's slightly worse than it usually is. Mm. But to get us to better internet. So I'm like... Thanks, Drake. And also, thanks, Drake. (laughs) Thanks, Drake, the rapper. Yeah, on how my internet is doing. So, like, currently, I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, Drake. This is all your fault. For some reason, that makes me think of um, in The Seed of Chucky when, have you seen that movie? Yes. When Tiffany is talking to the, the, I think he's a rapper who's the one who she's supposed to make the movie with red man. And she only ever calls him by his stage name, the entire movie. (laughs) He doesn't have an actual name. Yeah, no, that absolutely. I would do the exact same thing. (laughs) Mr. Drake, the rapper. (laughs) Hi everybody.